St. John. 20th chapter of St. John. Beginning at the first verse, probably read about seven verses or eight. Three old familiar scripture, something about the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, but we want to take it this morning in another avenue and walk down a different avenue than usual. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, when it was yet dark unto the sepulchre, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulchre. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple whom Jesus loved, and saith unto him, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulchre, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, and came to the sepulchre. So they ran both together, and the other disciple did outrun Peter, and came first to the sepulchre. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulchre, and seeing the linen clothes lie, and the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself, then went in also that other disciple, which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and believed. Father, we're thankful this morning for your word, its life, Father, and its health and its strength to us. Father, we pray that you would anoint us this morning, that we might be able to deliver the words, Master, that you want us to deliver. Anoint the eyes and ears of individuals who hear, see, and listen, Father, that we might be able to grasp the words that you're trying to speak to us. All of this we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Some announcements yet. The choir sings September 21st. That's Monday, 7 p.m. at the Baptist Church in Birdseye. They said, ha-ha, six or seven songs. So whatever. Anyway, September the 26th, the hayride at uh, Mark and Liz's starts at 2 p.m. Uh, chili and all of this stuff tells you what to bring. After that, the hayride. Games and fun and everything else. We want to get it done before bad weather. The IMA General Conference is going to be in again in San, San Antonio, September the 28th through October the 1st. We'll be trying to attend that. October 6th and 7th, pictures are to be seen. Remember your day and time. Also, for the parents to help youth church members to learn the Beatitudes in Matthew 5. There's going to be, and this is a little ahead of time, but we want to announce it. There's going to be a church-sponsored gospel saying Saturday night, November the 7th. 1987. That's here. We'll be making some more announcements on that a little bit later on. And again, as Brother Chester said, if you uh, want to pick up one of the Herald of Truths, we did write the stories Bigger Better or the, uh, or the uh, uh, scriptures, and uh, Brother Van failed to put our name in there, which would be all right. I'm sure he'll get some flack from it, and he can take the blame for it. All right? Because there's some pretty, I feel like, some pretty pertinent things said, and it's going to maybe hit the big churches and some of the things that is happening uh, in lives. And I feel like it was important to be said. This morning, I want you to look at the fifth verse of that, and he stooping down looking in. That's the other disciple that, that ran with Peter. Saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. And then in the eighth verse, after Peter had came in and... Uh, looked in there and then went on in. 
It simply says, Then went in also the other disciple, which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and he believed. I want to talk to you this morning a little while on unconscious influence. Influence that we have on individuals that we have unconsciously. Probably the greatest influence that we can have or do possess is that which we do or that which we are unconsciously. Now, we're careful that we say the right things, that we make the right spiritual religious noises, and careful that we do the right things or do the things that we feel that people expect of us. But when it comes right down to it, Christian life is not as much what you say and it's not as much what you do as it is what you are. Amen. It's simply what you are. The unconscious influence of Peter caused this other disciple who was later identified as John to not stand outside the sepulcher, but Peter, not knowing he was radiating an influence on this individual, God using the impetuousness of Peter, and you'll always notice he was always a man that spoke quick and acted quick, and God used those attributes in order to influence this other disciple not to stand outside and look in, but the minute Peter came and was not satisfied to just stoop down and look in the sepulchre, Peter immediately went inside the sepulchre, and this unconscious influence that Peter did not even know that he was having on this individual caused this other disciple to come in to the sepulchre, and the Bible says, and he saw... And he believed, simply because Peter exerted an influence, not by words, uh, not by things that he said, or not necessarily by the actions, but because Peter was what he was. Amen? And I think this is probably what we need to learn. I have watched individuals all throughout ages of time that did not act like I wanted them to act, and they walk sometimes even contrary to the Scriptures. A lot of their humanity broke out time and time again, but there was something about what they were that attracted my attention. Not necessarily the things they said or the times they said it, or not necessarily the things they did, but just simply what they were at times when nobody seemed to notice or they didn't know people were noticing what they were. And I ministered this on some time ago, about nine years ago, just before uh, my dad passed away. And I was telling, uh, relating some experiences that I had with him as a boy. My dad always had quite a temper, and he was always loaded down with trying to uh, feed a family of, of nine and uh, all of this, and he was working almost day and night. And uh, I have watched his life sometimes... His life did not portray the life of a Christian. Sometimes things he said uh, did not portray what should have been said by a Christian or by a minister. And all of this, and if I would have looked sometimes at what he said, or heard what he said, and if I would have looked at some of his actions at times, I could have had, he could have had no influence upon me whatsoever. But uh, those things were bypassed. With the fact that as a small boy, I can simply remember times when I would uh, be out playing on Sundays and 
Usually his days and nights were so taken up, but I could see the Sunday that he always managed to get off. And I can remember passing by the old chicken house, and I can remember hearing prayers coming from the very depths of a man's soul from inside, asking God to have mercy upon his life as he lived it sometimes unworthy, as he said things that shouldn't have been said in the moment of passion and in a moment of anger and a moment when the whole world was faced down upon him, there was something about that prayer that emitted from way down inside that the ears of this old boy heard. And he didn't know I was hearing that. But friend, I was not motivated necessarily by what he did. The actions he had are the things he said. What motivated my life was what he was when the world was looking on and he didn't even know that they were looking on. It was an unconscious influence that was spreading out and moving and expelling from him that was emitting and covering my life and my soul. I just thought how many times have we judged individuals not by what they are, not by what they, uh, not by uh, what they are, but by what they say. A lot of times in a fit of anger sometimes or when pressures weigh down and we're short sometimes to the extent of humanity takes over and we're judging their Christianity as to what they say. And then sometimes by their action, that friend, we need to judge who humanity is by who they are, sons of a living God called by the power of God. Now I've heard uh, a lot of people talk about some of the things that they have in their life uh, but God, God will use whatever nature we have. How many know that? That he doesn't necessarily always change our nature. Uh, he didn't change Peter's nature. Peter's nature was uh, a nature of inquisitiveness. It was a nature of, of being impetuous and always speaking quickly and, and always acting quickly. And God didn't change that nature. He just reorganized it and rerouted it where old Peter's impetuousness was for the good of the kingdom of God and, and where his quickness to speak. You notice Peter was always quick to speak. He said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. He also was the first one to deny the Lord Jesus Christ when he said, I don't even know the man. How much you to notice after all of that? It was not what Peter said. It was not what Peter did. But it was who Peter was on the day of Pentecost when he stood up the first one to speak the gospel message. Unconscious influence of this man. And God reorganized this. He used that impetuousness of the Apostle Peter and transformed it and used that for some good. I've heard people say, and I've said it myself, and uh, I've had people to, to say because I've tried my best to work on it. I really have. Sometimes I, I don't do a good job of it, but I used to have a temper, and I've heard a lot of people say, my biggest failure is my temper. Well, I asked God one time, God, please take my temper away from me. And that was a mistake because God said, I won't take it away from you. I'll use it for good. All right? Now, a whole lot of us wants God to take our temper from us. But he said, instead of you rising up with your temper 
and hurting somebody else and accusing somebody else and letting that influence somebody else the wrong way. Why don't you take that temper and you direct that to the evil that's in this world and you direct that to the powers of hell and I'll use a temper for some good. And did you know something? It doesn't take much for me to get mad at the devil. Amen. I mean, my temper rises real quickly when I watch him abusing somebody. When I watch one saint abusing the other, I know it is not the saint. I know it is God. Uh, it is a devil. And there's something in me that rises up real quickly to the defense. God has channeled my temper most of the time as he can channel yours if you will let him. That's not to say you're going to master that all at once. It's simply not going to happen. You, you grew in that thing. Amen? I mean, the bigger you got, the more you used it, and the quicker and easier it was for you to use it. And God says, I want you to keep it, but I want you to focus it on the devil. I want you to focus it upon the evil. And then you saw people that's studious individuals. I mean, there doesn't seem to be any place in Pentecost uh, for intellectual individuals. Uh, that's, that's a sad mistake. God doesn't want us to forget what he has learned. God doesn't want us ignorant. God doesn't want us uneducated. That doesn't mean you can't be spiritual without it. But if you have the opportunity, God wants us to learn everything we can learn, not only about Him, but about what makes this world go round and the functions that's in this world around us so we can better understand human nature and what it's all about. And God wants that to happen. The Apostle Paul was a wise man. And somebody said, Yeah, but he counted that all as not. Yes, he did as far as that being spiritual was concerned. But he used that which he had learned to talk to kings uh, as well as those that were way down. The Apostle Paul's intellect and his studiousness was used by the Lord. And then you've heard about nosy people and inquisitive people. My wife calls me nosy. I call myself inquisitive, and I've always been that way, and I've always got into more trouble nosing into other people's business, more or less, and trying to find out why does this happen and why does that happen. I got into more trouble at school because the teacher says, this is what happens, and I'd say, why? And, of course, he didn't have the answer, so he'd get mad at me. And uh, as far as the science class is concerned, uh, teaching the evolution and all of this, and I would, I said, explain this to me, please. Tell me how is it possible for anything so refined and intellectualist man to just come from a little amoeba? I can't explain it, he says. It's theory. I said, why then are you teaching it as fact? I got a D in science. Just because I was inquisitive. Because I, as some people said, I was nosy. And this follows me around even yet. I go to people's houses. I don't go through your doors, but I like to look and see where you live. All right, I don't go to check your house with a white glove to see if there's dust there or anything. And I like to see the nature of people. You know, you can tell the nature of people by the homes they live in. Amen, Brother Hosal. You, you can tell exactly the nature of them. But God can use our nosiness. A lot of people use nosiness to gossip. But God can use that. 
Because if you're inquisitive, if there's something about you that simply is not satisfied with the answer that is before you, God can use that to drive you into His Word and make you try to understand what's going on in this world. He doesn't say take. Uh, he doesn't say I'm going to take this inquisition away from you. He said I'm going to channel this thing. I'm going to redirect it. I'm going to use it for your benefit if you'll let me do that. A lot of people want us to drop everything that we've had, and some people are just simply stubborn, hard-headed. Amen. Anybody ever met hard-headed people? Your husbands know your wives are. You just well say so. Amen. And I mean, hard-headed people are stubborn individuals. And we always say, God, some way change this stubbornness. Do away with this stubbornness. Don't do that. Ask God to let them be just as stubborn about living a Christian life and about who Jesus Christ is and about the resurrection and about the future to have. Be just as stubborn and animate about that as they are these other things or even more so. God, teach us how to get solid on that rock of Christ Jesus and let nothing move us. Let us all be hard-headed, all right? Exerting all the time an unconscious influence. And then there's strong, silent types. They simply don't say much, but when they say something, you take notice. And I've had people to say, well, I can't carry on a conversation. I don't know how to do this or I don't know how to do that. And God, I want you to do this for me or that for me. Just let God let you be who you are. He kind of made you that way. A lot of these things have been channeled the wrong direction. And God can take these talents, if you want to call them that, these attributes, these parts of humanity in us, and He can change that all about, and He can use it for the good of the kingdom of God. If we allow Jesus to channel those things in our lives. All you've got to look and see what God said we were. Now, the church all this time has been exerting an influence upon the world. Oftentimes, we feel like this influence is things we say. Well, on our best behavior, we can say a lot of good things. Amen? I mean, when we're in church, oh, we know how to smile just right. We know how to shake hands and say, God bless you. I mean, we can get on that Christian grin and all of this uh, Christian mush. Sometimes it's hogwash because we don't think that at all. And inside, and we can say the right things. We have the right actions. We know exactly what's happening right around here. But friend, the world don't see you in this church house. The world don't see you with that superficial grin you've got on your face. What they see is an influence that you exert unconsciously. Things that happen in your life because you are what you are. Not because you say what you are or do what you are, but because you are what you are. And friend, we're far more than we or the world gives us credit being. The Bible tells us in Matthew 5.13, says, Ye are the salt of the earth. Now, salt doesn't say anything. Amen? It's just a little substance there that most of us harness it up and put it in a little bottle and uh, cap that got holes on the end of it, and we just sprinkle it on our food. And the Bible says, You are the salt of the earth. 
And when you ask individuals, well, what is salt? Well, we say, well, it flavors food or it's a preservative. And I don't have time to mention all the things actually that salt really does. I'm going to mention about two or three. Salt helps the other agents to bring clearness to glass. It doesn't do it by itself. Anything that's boisterous, uh, not anything that we're saying, that says simply because we are what we are, because Christ has made us that. And then salt helps us to start the agents in soap on their cleansing process. Amen. On and on you can go. And salt is used to enhance the flavor of food. And salt is used in a preservative. And all of this, and God says in His Word, Ye are the salt of the earth. In other words, there's something about us that should bring some clearness to this glass that we look in darkly. There's something about us that should penetrate and be used for the uh, cleansing or bringing individuals to the cleansing flow of Calvary. There's something about us that should enhance the flavor of this God's Word in our life. There's something about us that should be a preserving force in this world today. And all the while, it is not what we say, it is not what we do, and it's who we are in the kingdom of the Lord Jesus Christ. And my God, we need to realize that. The Bible also says you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. Have you ever studied and stopped long enough to realize what that Bible is actually saying we are? Now, salt, look at all the things, and that's just a few things it's used for. And the Scripture says, I want you to catch a glimpse of what you are as far as God is concerned. And then he goes right on and says, you're the light of the world. Now, when you notice light, it's natural. It's just a natural thing for light to flow out spontaneously in all directions and fill the world unconsciously, as it were, with its rays of light and the beams of light. I mean, it doesn't come in the morning boisterous. It doesn't come and make a loud noise. But it just appears because it is what it is. And that's the same way that a Christian, we don't so much shine because that we will to shine. We don't so much shine because of what we say, that we shine because we are what we are, an object that should enlighten and illuminate the world that is surrounding us. You are the light of the world. Now, a lot of times we're prone to think, of light as being a very weak and feeble instrument because it doesn't make any noise. Light is noiseless. About the only noise you hear from light in here is maybe a roar of one of these uh, fluorescent bulbs or whatever it is there. But as far as light is concerned, light would not wake you up in the morning at all unless it shined in your face. Yeah, notice an earthquake, for example, is more vigorous and it's more effective seemingly because when it comes we hear it's thundering and sometimes it rocks whole continents and destroys lives. And the greatest work of man sometimes are when an earthquake comes. Cities and monuments and temples are leveled to the ground in moments are swallowed up in vast chasms, so to speak. And then tornadoes come. 
great thundering black cloud forms a funnel and comes sometimes and destroys whole cities at a time. And we look at that and see how powerful earthquakes are and how powerful tornadoes are and how powerful hurricanes are. But we don't think very little of that soft, silent light that breaks forth on this earth every morning. It comes, and morning comes, and it comes every morning. We wake up to it sometimes. And if we're not waking up to it, we're standing there sometimes or driving or working when light suddenly appears. I don't think there's anything any more beautiful sometimes than to be awakened early in the morning and see the density of the darkness begin to disappear as light silently silently but yet powerfully as it invades the darkness and begins to dispel the darkness and all it wants here is light and we don't think too much about that light and we don't realize that it is an agent many times more powerful than the largest earthquake many times more powerful than the worst hurricane and many times more powerful than the wildest tornado that comes but let the light Cease to come up in the morning. Let there be no dawn of the day. Let there be no sun that come and begin to, uh, to heat some of these things. Just let light disappear from the face of the earth and you'll hear cries of horror from the darkness. You watch beasts as they go frantic at the loss of the sun. You watch vegetable growth as it turns pale and it dies. And you watch the earth become colder and colder until the source of life of all creatures, which is the blood, is frozen and congealed. And the seas are frozen. And the tornadoes and the earthquakes and all of that are frozen in their caverns simply because there is no light. You see what I'm trying to say? It doesn't look like God's saying we're very much. And he says, you're the light of the world. You're the only hope that it has. You're the only warmth that it has. Amen. You're the only thing that keeps this world from freezing and going into utter chaos. The very globe itself and the planets all have that lost their sun falls uh, simply because there is no sun that comes up and there is no light. And friend, then comes the light in the morning. Such is light. And I like that. It revisits us in the silence of the morning. Doesn't come thundering. Doesn't come with a lot of noise. But you know it's going to be there. And that powerful agent doesn't make any shock. It doesn't leave any scars. It doesn't wake up an infant. And it doesn't startle anybody. And yet, it continually rescues the world from the night and from the chaos that's in this world. And I'm trying to look at this. And when Jesus was not ashamed to look at his small band of people and watch his church as it tries its best to penetrate the darkness as he looks at them and said, you are the light of the world. And you don't come with a lot of noise. You don't come with a lot of thunder. You don't come with a lot of clouds. But if you're not here, if you don't appear, if the light doesn't shine, then all else is chaos and the world is in ruin. I'm going to say it again, friend. 
God knew that we was the only hope that the world had. The only heat, the only substance, the only light that the world has. And he looks at us this morning and he says, Now, you are the light of the world. If you don't shine, if you don't create some heat, the world congeals. It dies. And everything else dies with it. The Christian is the light of the world because he shines. Insensibly sometimes, silently sometimes. Have you ever walked into a place? I don't know if you have or not, but we've been around a lot. I'm never knowing for my talking to people, carrying on real big conversations. But have you ever been someplace and you're just talking to somebody? And then after you've talked for them a little while, they say, you're a Christian, aren't you? Now, they didn't say that because of any actions. They didn't say that for, because of anything you said. You didn't come on in a white charger. You didn't come on with a sword in your hand and demanding that they repent or they're going to die or they're going to go to hell. You just simply was who you are. You just simply was acting natural. You just simply was being what God had made you. And then they look at you and say, you're a Christian, aren't you? And you never tried to impress anybody. What had happened was the light just simply illuminated. It can't help itself. If you're the light of the world, that's what you are. And it can't help itself from illuminating. Sometimes, and there's nothing wrong with talking to people about their soul. There's nothing wrong uh, uh, with, with actions. But friends, sometimes just being what we are, just realizing who we are, and just acting the way God wants us to act as individuals would create more of a witness than all the words we could speak and all the right actions we could do. Just being what we are and do that unconsciously. Just emit an influence. You're not trying to do it. You don't go to do it. I went to people's houses for the specific purpose of witnessing to them about the Lord Jesus Christ, and that I do. But I have met people and been people's houses, and I know some of you have, with no purpose in my mind whatsoever to talk to them about the Lord or to act in any certain way. But friend, I can't help but being what I am. And that influence is enough. If we are what God wants us to be, that influence is enough to cause people to look and know that there's something different about you. A young man in closing, a young man that was in the church in Mount Vernon, just newly saved and filled with the Holy Ghost, and he always wore, he had been a Catholic, he always wore a chain around his neck with a cross. He kept it on there. And he was an insurance adjuster. And he went to somebody's house one time, and he was uh, making adjustments to the house, and some of the stuff had been destroyed, and all of this. And uh, he, he had asked, he said, how, how do I witness? He said, I, I just don't know. I just don't know how to witness. I, I can't say much. Uh, my job demands... A lot of my time, I might get in trouble if I go someplace and, and start witnessing about the Lord and doing my, my business. And all we told him was just to be what you are. Just be what God wants you to be. And this man was there, and he was 
doing his job just like he always did. He said, I might have been a little bit more uh, lenient for them, seeing some of the things. And, but he said, these people didn't know me from Adam. And he said, I talked a while and completed uh, the form and all of this and the stuff that was wrong. And just as I was getting ready to leave, the individual said, uh, Bill, you're a Christian now, aren't you? And he said, yes, I am. And he said, how did you know? Because of this cross that was on my, around my neck? And he, he said, no, we didn't even notice the cross. He said, we just noticed something about you. He kept on, he said, was it something I said? No, they said it wasn't something you said. Was it any way acted? No, it wasn't any way you acted. It's just simply what you were, that we saw there was something about you. And I thought, my God, what a witness. What a witness just to realize we don't have to make up a lot of things to say. That we don't have to worry about what we're going to say or how we're going to act before people. Just get a hold of God and exert an unconscious influence before them like Peter did. Whenever he went in, he couldn't be stopped. He was too nosy and he was too impetuous to stop there and look in that tomb. This man wanted to know whether the body of Jesus Christ was in there or not. And because he wanted to know this other disciple that stood outside, Peter didn't say, come on, boy, let's go in. Peter was just being who Peter was. And this other disciple who was John went in, and the Bible says he came first, he saw, and he believed. Now, I'm here this morning to challenge you to be what God wants you to be. Don't look at me and say, I want to be like him or I don't want to be like him. Don't look at somebody else who is very talkative. You ever notice talkative individuals? Some people just know how to talk. My wife really knows how to talk. Amen. She'll listen to this tape, but she knows that. My wife really knows how to talk. She can carry on a conversation with anybody. But when I get my business discussed or a few words I've got to say, I'm done unless somebody else asked a question. But some people can just simply talk. I mean, it's like this all the time. There's yakety, yak, yakety, yak, yak, yak. And I thought, my God, can't you move that talkative spirit out of them? And God don't want that talkative spirit out of them. He just wants to move that and let them talk about something good. Not somebody else. Or not a lot of foolish things, but use that tongue. <laughs> Ladies, use that tongue. Men, use that tongue. And use it for God. Let Him harness these things that we claim are human nature. Let Him harness them. And let Him use them. And friend, He will put the bridle on you if you let Him. Amen. But you have to want to be bridled. All you that have been on the farm know that if an old horse don't want to be bridled, you've got your work cut out for you. It's just simply impossible for you to do it. You have to call for some help. But we're exerting. Now, another thing in closing, and I want, don't want to leave that out. When uh, John was asked, John the Baptist, when he said and confessed that he was not the Christ, and they asked him, What then? Art thou Elias? He said, I'm not. Art thou a prophet? And he answered them, No. And then he said, Who art thou, that we may give an answer to them that sent us? What sayest thou of yourself? And of course, John the Baptist, whatever he would have said, whatever he would have done, would have been no value if he hadn't been exactly who he was. He said, I'm the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Now, he was doing 
that because that's what he was. Because God had called him to do that. And when the world asks us what say we of ourselves, we can say I'm the salt of the earth, we can say I'm the light of the world, we can say I'm a city set on a hill that cannot be hid. Now a city set on a hill, a whole world can see you, and you exert an unconscious influence upon society, whether it's good or bad. Friend, don't ever forget that the world sees you. The Bible says that that's what you are, a city. He said, I've set you before the world so they can see you. And you exert unconsciously an influence, good or bad, by what you are, just like a city exerts an influence by what it is. Go to Chicago. It'll exert an influence. You don't have to ask anybody about Chicago. Go there. It'll testify for itself. You want to know about St. Louis? Go there. It'll testify by itself. You want to know about the slums? Go there. You don't have to ask anybody. It'll scream out loud and clear what is there. And God is saying, you're a city set on a hill. You're going to be seen. There's no way you can keep from it. And while people are looking at you, you need to exert an influence. That would cause them to want what you have and to be what you are. Ye are the salt of the earth because that's what you are. Ye are the light of the world. You just simply have to shine. Light has to shine. There's no way to keep from it. Even when clouds darken it. You can't see the sun. But them clouds can't keep the heat from that sun doing its job in the world. And friend, clouds might darken us sometimes. The world might not be able to see or know, but that's not going to keep our influence of who we are and doing our job to penetrate the world. Let us stand. You are what you are. And sometimes words, words we try to think, what can I say? What can I do to influence somebody else? And sometimes it just runs us crazy. Sometimes we just get so nervous trying to be something that we think other people expect us to be until we've ruined any influence we've ever had. Why don't you try this morning being what God said you are? One should try being you. And all those attributes that's been used for the devil, all those things that's been out of control, let God harness them. If you're an inquisitive person, use that for God. If you're a stubborn person, use that for God. If you're a talkative individual, use that for God. If you're a gossiper, turn around. Gossip for God. Tell people you talk to about God. Just be what you are. And don't ever be guilty trying to be like somebody else. Haven't you seen people that just seem to be at ease? You're so tense. That's because you're wanting to make an impression some other way than just being you. Don't change, friend. Not after God has made you. Father, we thank you this morning for the gift of God, which is eternal life. Master, some way lodge within our heart and life that good things have happened to us. 
You've been merciful and kind and just. And we want to just be who we are. Not what we say. Not what we do. But just because we are. God, let us shine. Let us be salt. And let us be a city that's set on a hill. Guide our paths to the remainder of this day. Bring us into your presence tonight. We thank you for it. Amen. As far as I know now, Brother Dion Turner is supposed to be with us tonight.